This is Around the Rim with LaChina Robinson. Hey, basketball fans. Um, welcome in to another episode of your ESPNW Women's Basketball Podcast, Around the Rim. I am your host, LaChina Robinson, joined by my fantastic and fabulous producer, Tarika Foster-Brasby. And off the top, I'm not going to lie, this is our second time recording the intro to this podcast. Um, this is a very difficult thing for Tarika and I to do, um, to be very honest with you. And for those of you who follow our podcast and, and know who Tarika and I are, we are both black women. We cover the WNBA, which is a league that is 80% black. We are sisters, we are mothers, daughters, and we have been deeply affected and impacted by racism. So as you look across the country and you see the protests and you hear the story of the murder of George Floyd and you learn about what happened to Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery, and you reflect back on what happened to Trayvon Martin, this is an everyday reality for us. Racism in some form impacts our lives every day, whether it's through racial biases or just oppression, prejudice, um, white privilege. These are things that have impacted our careers, our communities, our personal lives, and so this is difficult for us. And that is why this is our second time recording this intro, because there are a lot of emotions. There are, there's anger, there's hurt. You know, when you look out on the streets, when you turn on your television, you're watching people that feel like their voices have not been heard, that they are not seen in their plights and what they're experiencing. And that's what every day is like for Tarika and I in our individual lives. So this has been tough. Um, the lens that we look at this from on this podcast is very much connected to women's basketball, college women's basketball, the WNBA. Um, the guest that we will have today on our show is Washington Mystics guard Natasha Cloud, who has been very outspoken about social injustices throughout her career, um, from gun violence to what's happening right now with police brutality and, and police murders. Um, she is someone who has lent her voice to a number of issues to which she's passionate about, including a recent a Players Tribune article that we will get into a little bit later, but basically that called out people that aren't willing to speak out on what's happening in our world, that aren't willing to speak up for human and civil rights. That's what we're talking about here. We're talking about human and civil rights. This impacts everyone. And, you know, this isn't about politics. Yeah, we all need to vote for sure because leadership is essential. And we don't have the right people in leadership positions across the board right now in our country, from our police departments to our judicial systems to our 
cities, states, governors, our country, like we just don't have the proper leadership. So you do need to vote, but this is about human and civil rights. And we all, we all should be outraged when someone is murdered because of the color of their skin. And Tarika, you and I have discussions often about how race has impacted us as individuals. And I remember in particular a moment that happened between us that I really wanted to share with our listeners. And that is you and I were on the phone um, and you were, you were on your way somewhere and you were getting pulled over by the police. Yep. And I remember you saying to me that you weren't sure what was happening, why. And my immediate feeling in that moment was, fear. I actually got off the phone when you said, I'll call you back. I actually called my mom and was like, I'm afraid right now. Like one of my colleagues just got pulled over by the police. And I, and, and it was like an instant, just fear. I just wanted to, you know, bring that back up because it, that's, that's the reality we live in. It absolutely is. And it's, it's very gut wrenching because you know, you think you have all your ducks in a row and even on the moments that you don't, you just don't trust that there will be civility within the interaction that you'll have with um, with your, your local authority or and whoever. And um, needless to say, um, I was able to leave that that uh, that situation alive. However, um, it, it isn't the most comfortable feeling. Uh, I mean, I, what I did on Twitter a couple of days ago is I dedicated an entire day of just simply posting instances in the everyday life of a black person versus what someone else may be experiencing. And when I say everyday life, I gave examples of, you know, for, for me, when I'm teaching my daughter in the store, I always tell her, don't touch anything that you're not buying. If you're not buying it, don't touch it. Why do I have to say that to a 13 year old? Because where your friends and your white counterparts are browsing, you're potentially stealing. And that's just the truth about it. So you can't touch anything that you're not going to purchase. Last year, another quick example, last year, um, my husband and I rented a car from North Carolina to Georgia to drive for a book fair that I was having. And on the way back, um, we were stopped by the South Carolina Highway State Patrol the, the point from what we were told was because we merged in another lane and didn't use a, a turning signal, how that turned into, can we see your ID? We think you guys are drug traffickers. I, I kid you not. How did we go from a misturn signal to you guys are drug trafficking and there are now dogs searching my car? And so yeah. I had to literally FaceTime a few friends of mine during that entire thing because I didn't want to be the next hashtag. I didn't want my husband to be the next hashtag. And I didn't want, oh, we didn't turn the body cam on or something to that effect. You just never know. So now when you're teaching your 17 and your 16-year-old children to learn how to drive, you have to now also teach them how they should or should not interact if they're ever pulled over because that's the only way that you have a chance of having your kids come out of the situation alive. It's gotten to that point. And that's where 
I don't know what it was about this particular incident with George Floyd that made him different, that made the country react so differently. Um, I just know it's time for us to do something. And, and this is our way of providing our audience something that we don't know if they're getting. We don't know, you know, who's keeping up with the current trends. We don't know what, you know, if you're Googling to see what's happening, we don't know, but this is what we endure. This is what we go through. And that's why this conversation is so difficult for us because it's a conversation that we have every single day, all the time, whether we want to have it or not. Yeah, it's it's a difficult conversation, but one that we're willing to have. So we hope that people that are tuning in are willing to be uncomfortable because our next few episodes are going to challenge you. You know, you need to know what unconscious racial bias is. You may not feel like you are a racist, but you should know how race plays a part in how you think and how you see the world. You know, one thing about Natasha Cloud's article is that, you know, she challenged the notion of being a friend or a teammate. If you are one of our white counterparts or you consider yourself an ally, you got to search your soul and look at the people around you and say, you know, how could I, maybe I'm not contributing directly to racism, but how could I be allowing it to exist? How can the way I do my job possibly be allowing for prejudice to exist? Um, you know, systematic racism is real. Oh, so real. <laughs> we, we just encourage everyone, not just through this podcast, because we're not claiming to be experts, but get online and, and look at what systematic racism, systemic racism is. Um, Look at, you know, what racial bias looks like. Google and see what happened with Amy Cooper. I mean, that's what prejudice looks like. So, um, you know, Natasha Cloud is really bringing something to light that I think is important because this is not just the black fight. This is not just the black fight. This is about a human fight. This is about everyone joining in. This is about our white friends and men and women using their voice because it's right to speak up on what's wrong. And this is the time for us to give a voice to the voiceless. And I think, Tarika, to your point, what made George Floyd so different? Nine minutes. Yep. Nine minutes. Yep. That's a long time to have your knee on someone's neck and we watched it. We watched someone die. Yeah. George so, is a martyr. He's a martyr. We will continue to talk and I'm not, you know, we're, we're emotional. We're trying to find the right words. I said earlier, this is our second time recording this, this open because we want to make sure that uh, we're being real and authentic, but that we're also holding people accountable that we're also, um, you know, giving people suggestions for what they should be doing or can be doing to educate yourselves. And let's not forget that the coronavirus is disproportionately affecting the black community. That's another thing that is weighing heavy in this world right now. We will just give a little warning that um, the language of this podcast is, is not for kids, not this episode. <laughs> um, and we feel the need to say that because that's not what's normal, but, we do feel we do believe in freedom of expression 
Um, the curse words are bleep gal, but you do hear the bleep. So just a, a fair warning. But uh, listen to what Natasha has to say. And I just want to shout out the WNBA's players for how they have used their voice and their platforms to speak up for the voiceless. Um, so without further delay, Natasha Cloud. All right, basketball fans. So uh, we're going to keep this conversation going. And right now, bringing in a young woman that um, has been outspoken about issues of social injustice, police brutality, um, gun violence, on and on. Her voice is always at the forefront of what's important and what's happening in the Black community. We want to bring in um, guard for the defending champion, Washington Mystics, Natasha Cloud. Welcome in, Natasha. Thank you, Latrona. I appreciate you having me. Um, I know you have been doing a lot. I, I see your face. I hear your voice. But those are the things that we see. But you're also doing a lot behind the scenes from a leadership standpoint. What kind of things right now, conversations are, are you having with your fellow players in the WNBA, maybe your Washington Mystics organization? What are you having? What kind of conversations are you having behind the scenes about what's happening in our world? Man, the hard ones. Um, right now, there, there's no room for uh, sweeping things under the rug or being anything but blunt. Um, and so we've been having those hard conversations and those hard dialogues that need to be had. Um, it, it's crazy because I, I've been on call since 12 o'clock today, and I won't end until about 7. But um, just trying to do my job and use the God-given platform that I have to continue to shine light on these issues and and to ignite and create change. But um, I'm so proud to be one of 144 players in the WNBA. And um, it truly, truly is a special league. And I know you're going to hear a lot of people say it, but um, yesterday we were able to uh, put on a forum and we had about 50 so 50 or so players on. And it was a safe space for us to just be vulnerable with one another and hear each other's stories and, and just let out the, those emotions that we're feeling. This is heavy. And, and so for, for us, I was, it was so empowering, uh, gave me a sense of my power back of being a black female in America. And um, what's beautiful about it is you had all players that were all different races, come from all different walks of life, but um, our league always unifies in solidarity and, and finds a commonality um, in, in, in supporting each other. And so for that, I'm extremely thankful to be a part of this league. Um, as far as the Mystics, we've met as a team. We've done the same things, um, especially with our coaches, allowing us that safe space to be heard and be seen and um, to be to let it be known that, you know, our white counterparts, they support us. They stand with us and, and they stand against this, this shit that we live every single day. And um, it's really cool now because uh, it's, it's us and the Wizards. We're trying to unify and, and collectively do this together moving forward. So, figuring out what, what social impact groups we can support and, and what we need to do in our communities to actually change things. It, it's only so much you can do talking and making statements and all that, but what are we going to do for next week, next month, next year, the years after? Because this is, this is a fight that we're going to have to fight head on for years to come. Yeah, I mean, and you're right on point about, you know, it goes beyond making statements. And I think we all got that message very loud and clear from you in your Players' Tribune piece entitled, 
your silence is a knee on my neck. And I'll just tell you, Tasha, and I'm not gassing you. Literally, it's one of the best pieces I have ever read when it comes to this topic. And I, I read it and I actually I have several quotes here that I'm going to I'm going to share with our guests. But I appreciate um, that. what prompted you to write this in such an impassioned way? Like, was there one moment or one instant that you just said, listen, I'm just going to say what's on my mind? Yeah, it was. um so obviously George Floyd was murdered and he wasn't, he wasn't the first and he won't be the last. And that's the scary reality that we live in being black in America today. And, and so I had all these emotions. Like I said, this, this shit is heavy. I had every emotion from frustration, the fear, the anger, the sadness to uh, just feeling like my power was taken away from me and there's nothing I can do. And um, so I was extremely blessed. Uh, the Players Tribune got there amazing and they gave me an opportunity and what's crazy is I was actually supposed to talk about the start of the WNBA and our new CBA. And um, so I, I called them and I was like, I can't do that. I, I'm, I'm not about to talk about anything else, but what's going on right now in our country. I, I, I can't talk about the WNBA. Honestly, that's the last thing on my mind is, is, is the season and playing and even having motivation to go outside and work out. Uh, so, you know, sitting down and just hashing out all my emotions, it was almost like therapeutic for me selfishly, um, to be able to just be raw and honest and authentic and not be scared to, you know, let my anger out, like tell people how it is, be blunt in how I approach this because, um, for lack of a better term, there's no pussyfooting around this anymore. This is something that for 400 plus years has has plagued our community and we continue to die and nothing changes. At what point are we going to start changing as people? Yeah. One of the one of the passages and I and I put this on my social media from you, it said, but you know what crushes me most of all? It's how the systems of power in this country are built so strong and with such prejudice that in order for white supremacy to flourish, people don't even have to actively be about white supremacy. They don't have to carry the burden of being openly racist or waste their energy on being loudly oppressive. It's not like that at all. All they have to do is be silent. And I honestly believe in myself and in my world that this article like prompted so many conversations about who was being silent and what people aren't speaking up. How have you handled that side of it? Because I'm sure you've gotten text messages from people saying, Oh, what can I do? Or mm-hmm. you, know, you see the tweets and you're trying to figure out if people are authentic or not. Like yeah. how have you navigated that space of, of really figuring out who your allies are and how to deal with these various levels of support? I pay attention. Um, you know, one thing that, that I've seen in the last day or so is, uh, you know, while Drew Brees might not be my friend or I even know him, you can post a black picture, but when it comes to talking about players dealing, you're still talking disrespectful to our military. Mm-hmm. You're not an ally. You're part of the problem. This is part of the problem is you not hearing us, you not seeing us. This is a part of a problem. So, um, how I've been filtering, I'm sitting back and I'm watching your actions. You can post a black screen. You can post a, a thing on your Instagram story that says, I stand with you, but what are you actually doing? What are you doing to make sure and ensure that your voice is heard to create change and to stand beside me? Are you doing your part? Um, because silence is a privilege. Silence is the knee on my neck. Silence is a privilege that 
me and you don't have. I can't choose to be silent because I am a black female, so my life is at risk every single day. And so if you're silent, if you're neutral, you choose the side of the oppressor, and I'll with you. And so it's filtering out those people that there is going to be people that don't want to step up and that stay silent, stay neutral, and are a part of the oppression and are a part of the problem. Then That's fine. I need to find who's going to stand beside me and fight this fight with me and care about my life moving forward. And so you're either with us or you're against us. And if you're against us, get the f- out my way because I'm not dealing with it. I love it. You know, when I hear you say, hear us, see us, you know, and obviously this issue has so many different levels to it, right? Even going to the Amy Cooper situation and wow, like how often do we face that where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, this is a black person. I know how they are. I know how they're going to react. And I also know I can call the police and get them to come down here and do something to this guy that he doesn't deserve. So there are a lot of levels to it, but I, I bring it down to how you and I or Tarika live our lives every day. And when I hear you say, hear us, see us, the first thing that comes to mind is the WNBA. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to lie. You talk about being honest. I've had my own thoughts and theories around visibility of black women Mm -hmm. and why it's hard to get support for the WNBA. And it has nothing to do with women's basketball. Yep. This is the league that is majority black women. 80%. 80%. And when it comes to spot, thank you for that number. Cause I've been throwing around all kinds of, I <laughs> but I've been like 95. <laughs> it feels like 95, don't it though? <laughs> I, I have definitely come up with my own numbers, but I have, I have struggled over the years to really, I mean, when I look at how women's soccer sometimes is celebrated, when I look at different sports, I'm like, what is the difference? Exactly. And so, it, it, this is allowing us to have even those conversations about the visibility of black women, the investment in black women. If we're talking to sponsors, the coverage of black women when we're talking about media. So the WNBA is yes on the forefront. And I know it's exhausting for black people to continue to be the ones to say, okay, we're going to, we're going to make sure that y'all understand this racism thing, mm-hmm. right? You need allies, but this league is actually a microcosm of exactly what we're talking about with the lack of visibility in black people of the world, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you, you bring up the U S women national team and um, that's always, that's always, always the example I use because people try to be like, well, you have a lot of players that are in the LGBTQ community. You see our women's national team? Right. We, they represent that community as well. Yeah. What is the difference? And the difference is the color of our skin. And that is, again, just adding to this oppression and, and, and this unequal, this unequal um, reality of our lives. And so, yes, we not only face uh, different hardships by just being women, mm-hmm. but you add on that we're Black, too, and now we're facing a whole other thing. Yeah. People have asked me, well, where's the disconnect? Because women's college basketball is, is so huge. You know, people love it. They love watching the NCAA tournament. Then it gets to the pros and it's like it falls off. I, I can't tell you anything, but it's because of the color of our skin and that the majority is. Yeah. yeah. And at the college and university level, most people who support those programs are already a part of the system. They're already alumni, yep. you know, people that Alumnus. live in the community of that university with the WNBA 
there aren't any alumni or built-in audience or people that feel like they're going to support us just because we're a member of their school or, you know, wearing their team's uniform, then it becomes a choice. Absolutely. So when it comes to choice of where you spend your time, what games you go to, what money you put into a team, who you're putting on television, mm-hmm. that's when you see it. But yeah, that's I could go a whole podcast on oh, that. Oh Lord, I was about to, I was about to continue it. I was like, you know what? Let me not even get into the sponsorships that support them and not us because shoot, it makes you think, right? It makes you think. Okay, so. The other thing, I want to read another passage that you from, again, I just then chopped, I could put this up on my wall. I could put some of these <laughs> in my living room. Um, and, and you touched upon a little bit of the, of the sponsorship thing as it pertains to athletes. And I want to ask you about this. You said, but it's like I said, what's really going to move the needle here is everyone getting involved. And by that, I mean all athletes, because there's no room for any of that silence, neutrality, in the athlete community either. Those old excuses about not wanting to lose sponsorships, not wanting to alienate certain types of fans, or how, quote, racist buy sneakers too, or whatever. We don't have time for that. Not when lives are being lost. Do you feel like, because we get this sense from the outside looking in that all athletes and all teammates support each other. And you did go on to say, oh, Lena Deladon, you know, my teammate stepped up. She's the MVP of the league. She used her voice. But what are you feeling like as an athlete in that community right now is happening? And are are there enough or are the people that you think should be speaking up using their voices? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really hard because uh, more so than not, you're seeing a shift. You are seeing a shift. I mean, the amount of even white people I see now in these peaceful protests, I've never seen before. But when you're talking about uh, the athlete community, uh, I'm seeing the ones that typically speak up about social issues. They're speaking up and they're using their platforms and they're doing what they're always doing. And then you're seeing the people that have been on the fence, whether to stay silent or to speak up, they're starting to come, but there's far too many that have not said yet. And that's what's making me mad is that we have a duty. We have a platform to use our voices for the voiceless. And we're doing a disservice to those people that need it most by not speaking up. It is a choice to stay silent. It is a choice to choose the side of the oppressor oppressor with being silent. At at this point, we need to be ready to risk it all. And and that's not only just for our black athletes. We shouldn't be the only ones risking our jobs and risking our endorsements. We need our white counterparts to do that too. Because if you're aligning yourself with a company that will fire you or take away your money based off of you standing up for what is right and what is wrong, you shouldn't be a part of that anyway. You shouldn't want to align yourself with them anyway because that speaks volumes to who you are and what you value and what your morals are. So for me, like, I love – I knew Elena was going to speak up. I love Elena. She's such a dope-ass human being. Um, and you're talking about someone that is essentially the face of Nike basketball, is one of the main faces worldwide for the game of women's basketball, who also uh, happens to have a lot of endorsements too. She stepped up and put her head into it right away without fear of repercussions. Mm-hmm. So we need we need the same from our counterparts and especially our white male counterparts. Use your motherfucking voices. Mm-hmm. Stop being scared mm-hmm. because you can sit there and you can dap up your teammate and you can play with him on the field and, and have his back and cheer for him. But if you're not having his back when he, when he takes that uniform off and he is still black in America – then that's bullshit and that says a lot about who you are as a person. Yeah, so real. Absolutely. And you know what? 
I don't even want people to think that just because they're not an athlete, this doesn't apply to them. This is you too. For everybody. You too, because people are afraid to lose approval of their friends Mm -hmm. by speaking up or their neighbors, or we can't let the people in the country club group know that we, or we can't let the people in our political party. This is not political. This is human rights. Absolutely. And this is human life. You're telling me that the opinions of your friends and, and the people at your country club are are more important than my life. You got me up. Yeah. Like this is human life we're talking about because I know damn right. Well, if I was there and, and you're going to have to shoot me because I'm tackling all y'all that are on George Floyd right now. Yeah. I don't care. You're going to have to shoot and kill me because I'm not about to watch a man for nine minutes go through every stage of losing his life from saying I can't breathe to going unconscious to his nose bleeding to taking his last breath to being dead on a stretcher. I'm not sitting there watching it happen. But in the aftermath of that, if you're still silent at this point, you are the knee on my neck. You are the knee on my neck that does not care about my life every single day. And you know the sad part about watching that whole thing unfold? Because I asked myself that question. If I was someone in that, cl- in that crowd, would I have jumped in there? And I would like to believe that I would. But I'm going to tell you this. The moment I, that I knew that I was even headed in that direction, I know they would have shot me. I know oh, yeah. they would have shot me. I'm a black woman. Absolutely. I, so even before I could get there, I would have been shot. I would have been looked at as a threat. Mm-hmm. And that is just, we were taught, and, 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 I, and I just, I shared this with Brianna. I was definitely afraid of the police in my neighborhood because we knew when they came over, like, it, listen, they're getting ready to tell you to move, to shut up. Why are you here? They're probably going to frisk you. You know, my brothers, I have nine brothers, Okay, I actually only have seven now because two of them have died. One of them was murdered. But every one of my brothers has been has been harassed by the police. Like it is a known fact. So it is not a place of safety. Mm -mm. We are taught to that's the authority. So we're going to watch. We're in a place in this world where we can watch someone uh, murder another person and feel like there's nothing we can do because that's the authority. We have no control. Absolutely. Like for, for, I mean, I feel like every single black person in America has had an experience with the police that has not been a good one. And for me at this point, it doesn't matter. I can't, God, I'm so scared to bring a a child into this world and especially a little black boy. Oh God, like, what do I tell him? You can't comply. You can't put your hands up. You can't do. You can't be respectful and 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 do everything that that officer says because more times than not you're going to end up dead, right. and that's the reality that we live in right now. And and so you're you're talking about these people that are supposed to serve and protect, and they take an oath to protect our communities. But you 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 date back to when police were established; they were established to bring slaves back to their slave owners. There's always been this disconnect and this distrust in our communities between black people and the police. It's nothing new. So they weren't established to protect us. They were established to protect the white people and to protect the white status quo. So I I hate when people are like, oh, it's just one bad cop. No, I I understand not every cop is a bad cop, but, oh, God, at at some point you have to have accountability within your police departments too. Y'all know who the bad cops are, and yet we do nothing. 
They're able to hide behind that goddamn shield and do whatever they want and be protected by their union. It's sick. It is sick. Yeah. Whew. It really, really is. Um, well, Natasha, we are grateful for your time. I just you know, can't say enough about your voice and, and what you've meant. I, I bought back just listening to you to this quote I heard this morning. Um, Jane Coaston, I heard on CNN say, in regards to what's happening in our country, this is not sports. You can not observe and comment on it later. Absolutely. You got to get in a fight now. Now, and that has been your message. Um, what would you say to people who want to do something who, um, you know, no matter what color, black people, white people, I mean, we kind of got different. You tell me what you, what you are saying to people right now, as far as what they can do with their actions to move this forward. Yeah. I think the first thing that you can do is acknowledge Acknowledge what's going on in our country, what's been happening in our country for hundreds of years now. Acknowledgement is the first step. Choosing a side is the second step. You're either with the oppressor, and and that includes being silent and neutral, or you choose to stand by me, and you choose to stand by every Black person in this country fighting for their lives. And what I'm also telling people is educate yourself. It's not Black people's job to educate y'all. There's Google. It got me through college, okay? I got a degree off of Google. So... All you have to do is Google Black History in America. All you have to do is Google the differences in Black communities and white communities and and, and the the amount of resources that white communities get to Black communities, the, the amount of opportunities that are, are happening in both. And it doesn't have to be drastic. What you, what you do, the actions that you take don't have to be drastic. It can be as simple as saying, I stand by you. I will fight for you. I will fight with you. And, 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 and approach it that way because I think too many people are like, well, I don't know what to do. That's the least you can do. That's a start. And, and that, that little bit of, of solidarity and unifying means the world of a difference to the black community to have our white counterparts beside us and saying, I, I finally see you. I'm finally hearing you. I'm sorry it took me this long to get to this point, but I'm here now and we're ready to move forward. I love it. What a great message. Keep doing you. We appreciate it, Tasha. Thank you for listening to Around the Rim. Check out more podcasts from ESPN on the ESPN app.